Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, the podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan, Michael and Moscow White here on the weekly show. A reminder that you can get behind us if you want the full package and support us. TSB Plus works out at a fiver a month and you get access to all the digital mags, podcasts, ad-free, priority access to the match ball, daily email, discounts on merch, loads of stuff. The squareball.net forward slash plus. Part one of the podcast then is where we rattle through the latest Legion United news, tie up any threads that we haven't covered off on the match ball or propaganda and what's been going on at Ellen Road. Everyone's getting healthy again. They're all signing new contracts. It's all good again, isn't it? We're fine. Well, we've not, we've not had a weekly update on the pubis, have we? I don't think. No, uh, Robin went to America and then did his little video and now has gone quiet. Mm, we can only assume the pubis is in pieces at the moment. Or it's evolving. An evo- a fully evolved... That does sound like something else would say. He has a fully evolved pubis. Yeah. So this is his, and we're uh, looking forward to welcoming him back to training. His recovery is subject to the evolution of the injury. We know this about everybody. <laughs> and uh, But Furpo got half an hour with the kids, didn't he? So that was um, helpful for him. Well, let's, and... let's start on the kids then, because the 23s played at Ellen Road. That was good. 9,000 people turned up, which feels like a lot for a 23s match. I have seen senior games with, uh, with, with smaller crowds at Ellen Road, so... I remember one about 7,000 of something against Barnet. Well, Ian Thomas Moore scored twice. Then. Well, I mean, people what, missed out, didn't they? What a day. What a day that was. Uh, but no, nice. Nice to have people in Elm Road. Double-barrelled name, double-barrelled striker. <laughs> I, I, in fact, he was only more then. Was he? I think so. I think he, he became Thomas Moore after Leeds, didn't he? Scoring above his hyphenation. But yeah, we were in front in this one, weren't we? And then it all went a bit Leedsy. It started very well. Greenwood goal while their player was down was... Um, very entertaining. It was because um, I think they got injured. Well, yeah, Greenwood had hurt them, and then Arsenal tried playing on, and then Greenwood got the ball back, and then they were all like, "Oh, put the ball out, don't score!" So he went and scored, and it was great. And no one complained because Dean Smith wasn't there to cry like a bitch on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> and John the, Terry, oh, it's not fair. Also, I think there were a few mild observations, but uh, generally being um, young, non-John Terry types did mean it uh, It went under the radar. I loved it. And Mark Jackson is a cheat. Mm, I didn't see this game, but I was it generally. Was it fun to watch? I've only, I must admit, I only have seen the highlights. Um, First half was very good. 
um, halftime. I can't remember who went off, but we made some halftime substitutions because um, we were protecting. But I'm sure Somerville went off. Can't remember now. But a lot of the uh, Joffy wasn't there either, was he? No, um, I think Greenwood might have gone off. I can't remember. Okay, I've asked the wrong <laughs> question. I've asked the wrong question, haven't I? Yeah, well, you'd think one of us might know what happened in this game that we're talking about, but no. And yeah, we got a bit overrun in the second half, and um, dear old uh, Christopher Clarkson mm. didn't have his best night. Did he have a moment? He had a couple. He had a few moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first, I mean, they're. Um... Are we writing, writing off his Leeds career already? Uh, yes, I think oh, so. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, thankfully we've got um, a couple of other young keepers, so we can. Well, we'll come on to that. This one Hurvel. straight in the bin. But yes, he was. Um, it's because of the way we play. He was trying to deal with a a back pass and dealt with it by kicking it straight to them, and mm. then they put it into the net. Ah, then he did later give away a penalty. Yeah, he gave away a penalty, and then um, I think the uh, the next goal wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it does seem it is one that's gone under the radar slightly. I know uh, Leeds getting a lot of hammer for not signing more midfielders as I've said I'm quite comfortable with the number of midfielders we've got I realise that other opinions on that are, are totally valid I think January at the risk of ending up with another Casilla I wouldn't mind if an experienced goalkeeper came in in January as a as a backup because bless him Christopher Class and whenever I've watched him in the under 23s I'm just glad he's not in the first team and he's very young New league, it's different coming from Norway. He's a you know plenty of time to develop and every reason to, to think he'll be a lot better in the future. But if Melier breaks his arm tomorrow, I just don't think he's ready to, to right. play it. However, that was my point about um, Bailey Peacock Farrell way back in the day when I was uh, made the highlights video of his loan move at York to say I don't think this guy is ready to go into our first team, and he's actually never been better in those first um, three months under Paul Heckenbottom when he came in and uh, conceded three goals on his debut, but was brilliant. And that was kind of it. So he could well uh, prove me wrong, but it does seem to be, it was, yeah. Well, he's got back in the Sheffield Wednesday team. So that's, that's shown you. Yes, he's, he is locked in a battle to be um, the, the definitive number one at League One Sheffield Wednesday. But yes, it seemed a little bit of a risk at the time in summer. I thought we would replace Casilla with, another experienced, hopefully better um, backup goalkeeper from LEA. Instead, we went down the route of having another child. Kid. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think a, a senior head around the place would probably be useful. The problem is a lot of the more senior keepers are not as attuned to playing the mm. way that we play. Like, you know, you're required to essentially be like the sweeper keeper, aren't you? And be able to do stuff with your feet. As we saw at Norwich on Sunday when Melier adequately dealt with the pass from Shackleton, etc. And there is a lot of pressure on those young shoulders. So that's the that's the trade-off, isn't it? That if you've got the ability to play with your feet, you're actually being asked to do a lot more and at a younger age, which is not always the easiest thing to deal with. Mm. I mean, let's focus on the positives from this game. The second goal was nice. Yeah. It was uh, Max Dean and Bate on a counter-attack goal. I mean, they, bo- they both look good every time I've seen them, I have to say. So. Bate looks Fantastic! I think the only thing that's um, stopping Bates is he's uh, he's not very strong. I can say that he's a midfielder, and we're not allowed. We're not allowed them. I think. <laughs> I think the. I think it's just um, fitness and physique is probably the only only thing between him and um, bothering our first team because he looks absolutely superb. But we know that um, there's strength and conditioning is a big part of 
Bielsa's planning, sort of running up and down in the under-23s is one thing, but being one of the hardest-running players in the hardest-running part of the hardest-running team in the Premier League. It's hard. Yeah, it's a big ask, and um, I assume Chelsea, he just lounged about, mm. so trying to get him out of the uh, the lounging about into the... Um, oh, out, of the Lampard, the out of the Lampard lounge and into the Bielsa... What's the... Boudoir. Boudoir. Very good. I don't know if there's a lot of strain in the Bielsa boudoir. <laughs> I really wish I hadn't said boudoir. Uh, I was just going to say with regards to the crowd, it feels like we're in a really nice little sweet spot at the minute where there's still huge amounts of growing interest in Leeds. And I want to contrast it with Tottenham who've obviously got a 60,000 seat stadium and they're kind of all at sea. I know they just put contain or they're in the process of doing so. Uh, but there's an article, it might be... Is that climate change? Uh, yes. The sea is now lapping across Tottenham. But there was, it's, a, it's a topical joke because COP26 is happening. Yeah, so. I got it. Thanks. Got it. Uh, I was Greta say, Thunberg will be sailing into the empty away end. The, there was an article, I think... No, the away be, end up with full, isn't it? Because people go there watching to lose the home end. Might have been The Guardian or something like that saying Tottenham's new stadium has basically cost them everything else. Like, they've completely lacked strategy. And I was just thinking, like, at the minute, in our rough and ready tumble-down stadium, we're getting 9,000 against, you know, Arsenal's under-23s and stuff. There's this huge growing interest. And I just wonder what it'll take to sustain that like after Bielsa goes and if we start rebuilding and we massively increase capacity and therefore supply goes up and what it does in the face of demand and how we... Don't when know, we're back in League One. And oh, str- give it, stop it, <laughs> Michael. What is wrong with you, man? No, I, Do you know I, what I mean? Like, Can we preserve the leadsiness? Because we were on propaganda, we were dealing with like the way that like the new fans, it was that Fusion Josh kid, wasn't it, who um, who was there as a neutral, uh, was going, oh, it's limbs in there. It's the first time I've seen Leeds United limbs and like, we've still got that. And I don't want to lose it. And like that, you know, the atmosphere for that final 20 minutes against Wolves that was just like, it was like a, a bear pit, not a snake pit, like Norwich have got, as we mentioned on Propaganda. But it was, it was great, wasn't it? And I don't want to lose that. But we need a bigger ground. Oh, we're not for the under 20. Maybe we can, uh, we should build a bigger ground for the first team and the, you know, the under 23s can have Ellen Road. Let yeah. Them, let them have it, you know, they can fill it. Legacy Stadium. <laughs> it does seem that moving stadiums doesn't, maybe it's just a North London thing. Well, I was going to say Arsenal. But yeah. it, it does yeah. seem to, turn teams from being quite good and fun into being really just depressing money pits. Yeah. It's like, well, we've we've built this thing because we needed more money, but we've had to spend loads of money doing it and now it's we can't buy any players and we can't be as good as we were. But is it that they can't buy any players or is it just that they choose not to? I, I mean, know. in fairness to Spurs, they're trying to compete with mainly a load of clubs who have got like all your money behind them. So yeah. Yeah, it's a bit unfair, isn't it? As we as we've found out in the Premier League, it's kind of shit when you have to just face up to like Man City or whatever, and they've got basically about 30 players who are, would get into most Premier League teams. I think the contrast or the comparison between us and Tottenham will be less to do with the stadium, although we'll have that across, that bridge across. Maybe it'll be over a bridge. I don't know. Over, over <laughs> um, troubled waters, Whirly back. But the, the player recruitment and also the player sales thing, because not taking whatever it was, like 150 million that Manchester City offered them for Harry Kane, in retrospect, looks absolutely ridiculous and it puts the focus on us that if somebody offered a hundred million for Calvin Phillips, your heart would be saying, No, we we lock him to the dugouts and we don't let him leave. But then the head says that Tottenham's failure to sell its good players over not just Harry Kane, but over the last few seasons means they've just stockpiled a bunch of people who don't want to be there and watched their values diminish. And that will be restricting their ability to go and buy 
new players as much as the stadium has done. So there's as much as recruitment is really important, selling at the right time is also really important if you're going to be quite cold and cynical. And it's something that Tottenham have really, really never got right. Because mm. at one point, you know, Deli Ali would have been worth dozens of millions of pounds to, to the right team. But instead, he'll just be there until his contract runs down and they'll, they'll loan him out and then eventually he'll, he'll leave on a free. And well, I've got a Newcastle mate, mate who's, Newcastle mate who suggested he might even go there in the window. And it'll be a loan because Newcastle won't get, probably won't pay what he's worth the last while they've got the money now, haven't they? But you can't rely on a, a Newcastle bailing them out as well. Same with Danny Rose. He could have sold Danny Rose at the right time. He probably would have been worth money, but they decided, no, we're going to keep you here and it all just ends up going what I'm hearing really is wrong. we should sell Rafinha and Calvin Phillips in January. The sooner the better. Why wait? <laughs> get some pre, pre-contract stuff arranged. Just get, but, them, get them shipped out. But I mean, it's, it's just the reality of football, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's something that you've got to get right. And so it's not... Um, Tottenham's failure is not just not signing players. It's not selling them. To, I'm, I'm, the, sure the example, sell, I'm sure selling our best players will go down really well. In fairness, there is a, a Leeds example there as well when you look at our Champions League team and Kewell was being linked with, you know... 20, 30 million pound moves and in the end he we got 20 quid he, he got worse and yeah. then went to Liverpool for fuck all and Lee yeah. Bowie did the same as well we ended up getting nothing for him 100,000 pounds yeah. from West Ham so yeah it's pointless having good players just sell them all <laughs> <laughs> sell them all um, and distribute the money to Leeds fans seems yeah. fair close the club down close the club down yeah so look we've yeah. sold we've managed to get 300 million pounds in for, for the squad uh, that's going to be split between season ticket holders. Thank you for coming. Yeah, um, signing, signing, go watch Rafinha. signing Rafinha. We thought it was going to be the best thing we ever did, but in, it ended up being the end of the football club. <laughs> thanks <laughs> sold for, him. And, thanks for coming. Sold him and divvied up the proceeds. I'm just, um, I'm just trying to work. How many season ticket holders have we got? Well, about twenty. Is it twenty four thousand or something? Right. So if we if we can sell them for three hundred million pounds, we'll get twelve and a half grand each as season ticket holders. Mm. That's quite good. Would you accept that? <laughs> Shutting down the club and <laughs> no, no, we'll keep it going. I, I feel like we've gone a bit off piece here. <laughs> it started with the under twenty threes losing mm. to Arsenal, and then we're shutting down the club um, yeah. within ten minutes. But we've all got twelve and a half grand. That's pretty. We good. could have a nice party with that, couldn't we? All of us, anyway. No, let, let's and all keep those it... people with uh, gold memberships are worth even less than they were before. <laughs> standing with nothing. Uh, uh, returning back to the serious points on the twenty threes, um, Danny Van der Hoevel. Has, uh, has done a new contract, hasn't he, for another few years? We need someone who's not shit, don't we? To play, to play. <laughs> well, he looked sorry, great sorry, against. Uh, he looked great in preseason. And did you watch the video of him signing? No, he's, he's, I think he's developed a bit of a Yorkshire accent already, which Good is nice. Oh, that's he entertaining says, in a mixture of Dutch and yeah, Yorkshire. He said goal, goalkeeper. He had a goal bit of a goal. That's a Hull accent. Well, it was like it was like a a, a goalkeeper. A, a goalkeeper. It was yeah. like that. I think he'd been chatting to Calvin or something. So that was nice. He yeah. made that terrible. I can't remember which game it was, but didn't he make a terrible mistake in preseason? That's was the the thrust of my reference. With oh, I can't remember that. Having good, yeah, he he uh, he tossed the game up. Oh dear. <laughs> so um, that's why. I mean, he is another one. He's only eighteen, so he's not really even into the under twenty threes yet. Because we had uh, Ilya Capriel, who's gone out on loan to Italy. At some point, we need a goalkeeper who is over twenty one. That's just. It's. I just feel that way. But I'm happy. Um, Van den Hoeven is going to stick around a bit longer because if we've got a bunch of good goalkeepers who are under 21, great. Klaassen can be the new, the next goal, uh, Norwegian number one. Van den Hoeven can follow in Van der Sar's glove steps. Um, <laughs> Walking on his hands? But at some point, you know, an adult might be good. Uh, no LUFC women's game 
this week. However, we do play in the Papa John's uh, tonight as we record this Tuesday, 2nd of November. I mean... It's uh, the PJT to give it its uh, pop title. Has there ever been a more bastardised game than this against a pretend team? It's our under-21s. We can qualify, but we don't even know what that means. We don't even know if we're allowed to play at home in the next round. Who will play? Where will play? I think we can play at home in the next round. I was actually digging into the competition rules, which admittedly, given it's an EFL thing, are probably wrong because that was the case for, for most of the time we mm. were in there, wasn't it? People would look at it and go, well, that doesn't make sense. And they were kind of doing their own thing. But I think if you finish top of the group, you get a home draw. Right. Seems to be the rule. Even if you're an under-21 side that's been invited. There doesn't seem to be anything that says otherwise, but, that's, like a, but that's probably something they've just omitted. It's like being vampires in this. You have to be invited over the, <laughs> the threshold. It's some of the uh, some of the fun and the glamour has gone out of the PJT. Now we can't wash the victory down with Carabao. Those two on the sideboard, Papa John's and Carabao trophies, would have been. I mean, what an evening! A great combination. What an evening that would be. Pizza and caffeine and no sleep. But as it is, <laughs> we may just have to make do with the the PJ and not the C. So it depends what happens between Tranmere and Oldham then as to whether we qualify and. Yeah, from. I've not really looked at it. But Can we I, get pissed at Wembley? I guess that's the question. That on, I guess that Tranmere, we need them to win. Ideally, yeah, or a draw would be fine. Okay. Or even because there's only goal difference separating us and Oldham, so we could just spank Salford like by a load of goals. Okay, and I mean Oldham are terrible, aren't they? It's Keith Curls Oldham, so you've got to rely on. You've got to hope Tranmere are going to do the business there. Yeah, Oldham are twenty second in League Two. And then when it comes to Salford City, I mean Berardi scored against them, didn't he? So. Um, I know that was a little while ago, but I don't imagine anything has changed. Owned by um, does does that the foot fetishist Paul Scholes own a bit of um, Salford, or is he is he excluded? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just taking. Are you some, pleading, pleading the fifth here? Taking some legal advice on whether I, whether I'm implicated in accusations of him being a foot fetishist. <laughs> if not, I speak not about a, him, I'm not. It's a kink shame. It's fine. <laughs> well, actually, it's his daughter, so it's not. So it's not. It's not fine at all, is it? It's not fine now. If you're referring to the uh, former England midfielder Paul Scholes, mm. is that the one you mean? Scholesy, I was. Did you clear. call him? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's him and Neville, and then sort of Peter Lim, who were such a feel-good story, isn't it? Owns Valencia, really. So there is a little bit of a um, Hernandez, Rodrigo, Costa, mm. um, Champions League semi-final slant to it, but uh, you'd really be scraping the the clickbait. Barrel if you went down the route of the, I wouldn't put it past them. Cha- the 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 surprising Champions League connection in Leeds youth um talent. And then you click through and say, like, Oh, are we signing somebody from Barcelona? No. Salford are owned by the guy who owns Valencia. It's been very interesting to contrast Gary Neville's opinion on his mate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the security of his job at Old Trafford versus how they've treated their managers at Salford, who they uh, they change them like it's Chilino-esque, isn't it? The speed with which they hire and fire. Yeah, I mean, in, in fairness to Neville, he has at least come out and said, no, I'm not. I'm never going to say Solskjaer should be sacked, which is honest, at least. But also, it's Because he's really, his mate, but it's shit. But it's not just, uh, it's gone beyond mates. Like the whole, there's some, there's some, somehow has become this weird sanctimony about saying that managers should be sacked. And um, Soonis was doing it when, after the Scum Liverpool game, None of them would say that Solskjaer should be sacked. And soon as Neville's point of view was his mate, soon as was, well, I've been a manager and I know that that's not a nice thing to hear about your job. 
Jermaine Defoe just wanted to go home and Carragher was just laughing. But there's become this sort of, this thing now where it's now, you cannot say that a manager should be sacked. It's, it's like a, a sacred cow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and uh, that seems really new. And it seems new at the wrong time as well, because now Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, if he gets sacked from Scum, it will be, obviously he won't feel good about it because he's tried to do something and he's failed and that's bad. But I think he's got, the resources to be able to overcome the challenge of losing his job. You know, and being paid millions of pounds to lose your job probably he's helps. Got a, he's got a pretty easy cushion. I think he'll be okay in the long run. Yeah, it's it, not It's not like you're sending Weasley emails to try and get someone sacked from Weatherspoons, is it? Or whatever, and you, yes. you, you know, you're going to put them... Have you done that? Out of, no, no. That's <laughs> a very specific be, example. Uh, I'm just trying to think of, you know... Yeah. The short pod, your pint. I'm just trying to think of a place you wouldn't necessarily want to work and Weatherspoons popped into my head. But yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would be fine, wouldn't he, yeah. if he was sacked? And it's weird to worry about it now and not, um, because I'm sure 30 years ago when managers weren't earning anything like this much money, I don't think any pundit would have had any problem just saying, yeah, I think he should go. And then it's not working out pub, there. Because that's what ex-footballers do if exactly. you don't become a manager. They, they were in, in no way as well equipped. But it's, and it got to the, it was hilarious on the, the Scum Liverpool one, now it's going back a couple of weeks, but they even got down to the coaching staff where they were, they were absolutely lambasting every aspect of Scum's coaching. And they were saying, right, so, and Carragher was challenging Neville. He said, so what are you saying? They should sack the coaches. I, said, I would never say they should sack the coaches. They need to get, but they need somebody else in there. And so Carragher said, what, another coach? And the, the way they're talking is because you can never sack a manager or never say you can, you can sack a manager and nobody should have to, to lose their job just because of the, the bad coaching that's going on. They'll end up with about six different managers and 43 coaches just because... Nobody will ever be the one to say, you're really quite bad at this and I think you should Maybe stop doing it. if we had Sam Allardyce. As it, well. It, it'll improve things a bit. You can all, we'll just need a bigger dugout. But it is just a weird, it's strange sanctum. I mean, it's right to kind of highlight it with the attitude they have towards actually, they will actually sack a manager at Salford because they've put themselves in the position of owning a football club where that is a thing that they will do. But then on television where really it doesn't matter if a pundit on television says, I think so-and-so should lose their job because it's just an opinion. You cannot do that, and yet he will hand a P45 to some poor sod who's tried working at Salford. It's just, it's a, and all it comes down to is just this weird, confused sanctimony where people are trying to be nice about the wrong things. And, and also, in sacking a Salford manager, it's a very different thing to sacking a Man United manager because they will be leaving with several million pounds, won't they? Whereas you would imagine a Salford manager is not going to have quite that same security. I don't actually know who their manager is at the moment. Do you? Don't care. It's <laughs> fair that, enough. That, that's absolutely fair, yeah. They took the job. <laughs> they can deal with it. And we won't be doing a match ball for it. Uh, no, prob- probably not. Uh, Gary Gary Bowyer is their manager. Oh, yeah, the uh, fake Lee. That's the one. A reminder that the podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Great bunch of lads. We enjoyed uh, having fun at the expense of Michael J. Bailey, didn't we? He was the, uh, the Norwich reporter over on Propaganda this week. Bless him. Seems to be struggling with that one a bit. It's good that they're covering the Championship. Thank God we've got the Premier League's Phil Hay, who will be covering Leeds United in the Premier League for this season, next season, and every season from here on out. Never to leave again, as evidenced at Norwich on Sunday. Phil will be on the Phil Hay Show, obviously, later on this week, where we will debrief Norwich and find out what his trip to Harry Potter World was like as well. I think everyone wants to know that. The big away trip for this season. Phil Hayes Show, recording on Thursday. That'll be out for you Friday morning and check out all the latest with Phil on The Athletic where you can get a 50% discount for signing up through us. It's theathletic.com forward slash the square ball to use our discount, theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. 
Part two brings us Leicester City now then, and the preview for the game on Sunday. Hot on the heels of our barnstorming victory at Carrow Road, we look ahead to Jamie Vardy and Scum Junior et al. Wolves, Canaries and now Foxes. They're all thick and fast, aren't they? The animals at the moment. It's coming after the, uh, what animal? It's the Hornets, wasn't it? Mm, of course, with, with, oh, with the moose on the badge. Taking on all comers in uh, the animal kingdom. Peacock will beat any of them. How do you think we're going to get on on Sunday then? What's your state of mind going into this one? Are we uh, starting to build gradually? That's what it feels like to me, just a very gradual building of confidence and results. Three unbeaten. That's good, isn't it? It's good form. If we're uh, ignoring the Arsenal game. We we are. That doesn't count. We are actually, we're about eighth in the form table, something like that, over the last six games. So we're actually doing better than more teams than we are doing worse. That's not how it feels. I know it doesn't, but this division's not great. And I look at this game, and I really genuinely don't know what we're going to get out of Leicester. I, mean, really, I don't know what's, what's going to turn up, but I do look at it and think, that's a game we could get something out of. They were meant to be good, weren't they, Leicester? Mm. That was the thing. They've cheated us, because now they're not that good. They're actually uh, only four points better than us, and we're terrible, as everyone agrees. So yeah. so if we win, we're one, one point behind them. Yeah. Crazy division, isn't it? Mm, it is a little bit. I'm not massively confident. Well, you never, you never are, no, Michael, so that's, that's nothing new. Speak to Moss, speak to him. We're yeah. not three unbeaten, actually, because we lost to Southampton. I was disregarding it. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I forgot about that. I was confusing myself. They're also not reason. an animal, are they? So it's a saint. Exactly. It could be anything, really. You can't kill a saint, can you? No. Um, so if you take out the games that we've lost, <laughs> we're unbeaten. So <laughs> I think we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, Leicester are funny. Leicester don't really know what they're doing. I watched them against the arse and first half, they were terrible. And then the second half, they changed their formation. They put some wingers on and they were really good. And that's the thing we need to do. If I if I had Marcelo Bielsa's ear in my hand um, and I was holding him to me, I'd be saying, score loads of goals in the first half because Rodgers makes them better at halftime. He's got some weird thing where he doesn't want them to play with wingers this season, even though they've got some quite good ones. They've got um, uh, that one, and then there's <laughs> oh, the other yeah. one as well. <laughs> like Harvey Barnes, there's one of them. Oh, we don't like him, do we? Because he did the dirty on us. Exactly, and now he's sitting on the bench watching as they play with two up front. So they've been starting games with two up front. Oh, does that mean we have to piss about with three at the back? I think it's going to be a lot of pissing about because they've been starting with Iheanacho and Vardy up front because when they play together, they score loads of goals. But it's not been working very well this season. As against Arsenal, they were 2-0 down by half-time and barely got anywhere near Arsenal's goal. So then half-time, the wingers come on, it goes to Vardy up front on his own and they looks a, a lot better. They've been trying to sort of use... You'd think James Madison would be good in that situation where everything's quite narrow in the first half, but he didn't even touch the ball. It was a complete waste of a very, a very good player. So there's there's optimism there. And I mean, Johnny Evans in defence, that can't be right. So we've got to score. And uh, obviously Schmeichel back in back in the goal. We can clap the, the cop, can't he? Which would be nice. He always loved us. Yeah, mm. a nice welcome, almost like a homecoming. Yeah, sort of. If you like. <laughs> we tried to make him feel welcome. He didn't like it, so... It's not bothered this So time. what we'll do is we'll double down. He's got mm. no sense of humour, no. has he? No. I think the song can have a little tweak as well. And so are you. Can be the can be the, the end line of it this time. There is a an article in the new issue of the Square Ball which will be on sale for the Leicester game. Um, that points out that Alex Bruce was interviewed about the same songs and thought they were funny. 
Mm. So he says, oh, it was great. Leeds fans used to make, have a laugh about uh, about our dads, thought the songs were funny. And Alex Whereas, Bruce is very defensive of his dad as well, mm. which, you know. I mean, he wasn't very defensive of, his, of the football when he played for us. Hey, etc. But, you know, he he has since taken to Twitter, hasn't he, to sort of say people need to be less horrible to him, to yeah. Steve, well, which, is, which is fine. Alex got it, though. It's the one, I mean, he never, uh, you put a through ball down one side of him, he's not getting it, but um, he got what we were trying to do with the songs. If anybody was not around, as a Leeds fan in uh, 2010, when we suffered this uh, this scum duo, in an attempt to make Casper Schmeichel feel at home, while acknowledging in a jokey way that his parenthood was an issue because of who his father had played for. Your dad's a rotter. Yes. And so are you. No, yeah. no, no, but, but, but you're no, all right. No, no. Yeah, your dad's yeah. a rotter, but you're all right. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't rotter. It was the C yeah. word. Hmm. Um that got dropped. Character. And, character, that was it, wasn't it? Yes, your dad's a character, but you're all right. Yes. And that was about as nice as you could expect from Leeds fans, I think. And it was a genuine olive branch. Yeah. It acknowledges um, it acknowledges the dynamics of the situation. Yeah. It's us saying to him in a fun We're not going to pretend way. that yeah. we ever liked your dad and who he played for. We're just going to but say that we're not going to hold it against you because yeah. you're a different person. Let's, and he never, he never got the joke. And... Uh, he did also, he said that he was not really made um, welcome in training, that the fact that his dad had played for Scum was always right. And it did make me wonder if, because it was when we had Simon Grayson and Glyn Snodding in charge, who were both like lead saluting, fist pumping, Glyn Snodding in particular, effectively, if not invented and popularised the lead salute. If Glyn, every morning as he's coming into, into training, was just giving absolute dog's abuse about... Uh, who his dad played for and if he did then great because <laughs> that would be absolutely hilarious if Glenn's not in if one of his uh, his um, his signal achievements was to just make Casper Schmeichel's life a misery for I mean, no reason the thing is as well with Casper Schmeichel he was like welcomed and people were sad when he was sold for a million pounds by and large he wasn't perfect as a keeper at that stage and he's yeah. going to become a very very good goalkeeper you'd say uh, Melier is the same age basically isn't he yeah. Melier is better um, for, for what Schmeichel did for us and Schmeichel well he's got good. a thicker skin for a start mm. my, so, my uh, father is very nice but yeah it'll be fun, to, fun to see if that rattles him because it, it would appear that you can rattle him and what we do know about Leeds fans is if they can rattle somebody by being a bit mean they, mm. will, they will do and I'm all for it well that was the other contrast in the Leicester Arsenal game Aaron Ramsdale seemed to be on a mad one uh, not just with his goalkeeping but he was joining in with the your shit uh, <laughs> chance when he was taking <laughs> Goal kicks, which is hilarious. You're never going to get that from Casper Schmeichel because no matter how old he gets, how much he wins, how great his career becomes, this you still get that feeling that he's got. You can get at him, and so we should. Your, your French <laughs> accent then reminded me of something I found out this week. Do you know what Cody Drama's full name is? His middle name is Pierre. Oh, Cody Pierre. So I think. We don't know a thing about him, but we're gonna. We can say he's French. CPD. They're very strong initials, aren't they? He's um. He's, he's Cody Callum Pierre. Oh, CCPD, mm. which sounds like a uh, division of the police. Uh, I was gonna say something. You it's would the Chinese Communist Police Department, isn't it? <laughs> if if they say so, <laughs> then yeah. But anyway, it can be your new favourite player because I know you always used to like Matt Smith on the basis yeah. of him having some French. Is he eligible for France? Um, parentage. I mean, his Wikipedia is not. Oh, he actually qualifies for Gambia through his parents. Oh, so there is French in the the lineage then, obviously, mm. with Gambia. Was yeah, ask, with regards to Dramé, would you play him if Shaxx doesn't make it? Yeah. Yeah. 
let's play a fullback at fullback. Well, if, well, if Firpo's back, uh, would you put him on the left and then Dallas on the right? Maybe you think you, I, I suspect that's what Bielsa might do under the circumstances. But if Firpo don't make it, then I expect maybe uh, Drame to be dropped in. What do you think? I'd like to see Dallas in midfield again, mm. personally. Even though he wasn't brilliant there at the start of the season, I think he looks a little bit rejuvenated now. Maybe having got his kind of got it off his chest a bit, what he was, yeah. what his problems have been, which have been fairly significant. It's worth saying. And I yeah. think it, everyone seems to have. Uh, I felt bad on the match ball. Kind of, we almost skimmed over that. But you know, he's he, he has had he has been dealing with some very serious stuff, and mm. uh, maybe he's he's kind of played through that now and is is able to you know perform perform a bit better. So. Him being an option in midfield, I think, would be nice again because mm. it still looks kind of empty in there, even against the Norwich side. Well, that's the thing. We, we, if you look abysmal. at the Norwich, the lineup, and the fact when, we, when we've been playing this three at the back, it's actually more often than not been five at the back, hasn't it? We've ended up playing because um, you got your back three, and then Shackleton was playing quite deep, and then Dallas on the left hand side, not really getting the chance to get forward and get into midfield and, and get some more bodies in there, which maybe is why we've looked a bit, little bit light in the middle of the park. I don't know. Dallas was all over the place in, in a good way, I would say, against Norwich. If you looked at where I was saying earlier in the uh, propaganda episode about Stroke was playing further forward on the left, that's because Stuart Dallas was just doing other stuff. So he was kind of covering in on that side quite yeah. a lot. So, I mean, he, we know Stuart Dallas can, can kind of play anywhere, don't we? So mm. we'll see. I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced Furpo is going to be fit, no. to be perfectly honest. Why? Because Bielsa, he's funny about these things, isn't he? He, right. he does. He'll want to see him play like another another couple of times or something for the under twenty three. Other than other than maybe Phillips, he seems to always want players to prove themselves over a, a period of time, doesn't he? So I don't know. We'll see. I wonder if he'll play in the JP, uh, not the JPT, the PJT. Well, that's confusing. Very confusing. <laughs> really confusing. If uh, From Barcelona you... to the Papa John's Trophy, Christ! But it's an opportunity to get some. Uh, fitness into him and don't we play um, and we got scum under 23s at the end of the week or have I imagined that aren't we playing them in Salford effectively tonight but another game ah okay <laughs> and that's the under 21s anyway and Junior Furpo there's plenty yeah so there's opportunities for him to get more half an hour's and um, he was I'd like to see Furpino back in just and maybe Ailing. but I mean Ailing's not going to be ready is he but um, definitely players who can Play at fullback would be welcome in the fullback positions. It's my controversial view. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like on Sunday? Good. You think so? Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think people are well worried and anxious. People seem on board with this whole thing still, which is um, which is reassuring. And we saw the effect of it against Wolves. Might be different if that had all come to nothing, mm. but that was a very uh, object lesson in how a good atmosphere can help a team put in a good performance now a good performance can help create a good atmosphere and if you do take the uh, I know I messed up about us being three unbeaten two unbeaten will do we've not been terrible Wolves was decent and then Norwich was just tense this feels more it's set up to be like a, a proper game and that's the I guess the worry I think is because Leicester being pretty good but not great means they've got a decent chance of beating us but also us being not as good as we could be, but having the potential means we could win, but also lose. It feels a bit like Everton to me. Similar sort of vibes to the Everton game. Well, they won't, They will come and actually try to win, whereas you got the feeling mm. with Watford and Wolves. And Norwich. They all were kind of happy. Well, I don't know what Norwich seemed happy enough no. with the 2-1 defeat, didn't they? They were just like, oh, Just well, happy to be there. <laughs> whatever. But like Wolves, you got the impression that they were, I mean, they took an early lead, so it's maybe hard to say what they would have done 
otherwise, but certainly after they scored, they had no intention of getting mm. another. It was just like, well, we'll just sit on this and go down injured and hold our heads as much as possible. <laughs> even <laughs> Sit though, on this. <laughs> even though um, Norwich was a little bit tense and fraught, I've come out of it, as we're saying over on Propaganda, feeling a little bit more confident and buoyant now off the back of that win. It was a game we had to win. We won it. And I think we should take heart from that. All right, they're a terrible side, but we did what we had to do. And we've got the quality within the squad to to dig it out when we need to. Might say it's going to be a different game against Leicester. They're not going to be just sat in their camps trying to stop us playing. And we'll take the wins. I think there's um, a bit of this will spill over into the uh, hero nominations coming up. but um, And also the uh, sense of villainy. But somebody has mentioned and mentioned it in their propaganda earlier on about was relying too much on Rafinha. I don't think that's a problem. I like it. He's good. It means we've got a good player. Yeah, we're out of form as a team. So if there's one player that is in form and doing really well, give him the ball. It made more sense to keep giving Rafinha the ball than giving it to Jackie Harrison. You know, it's having a torrid time um, about himself. So just give it to the player who's playing well. And it doesn't matter if we score from him just beating a couple of players and shooting. That's great because the more goals we score and the more games we win, the better the rest of the players will feel about it. So if it just takes a while giving him the ball and it also I think it discounts um, a little bit that they were good moves for both our goals Stroik then James James who he's know, overdue a moment isn't he well that was a moment it was but good, he'll have he feel like it feels like he's due one in this game it was a good ball to um, Rafinha to Rafinha who sorted out the goal so it wasn't like Rafinha got the ball on the goal line and beat everybody and then um, Rodrigo with the second goal okay Tim Krul helped but he was very good in the second half in particular against Wolverhampton Wanderers before the penalty and then pulled that goal out. And he hit, he hit it dead hard as Michael always advises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, you know, we don't always get the look, but it's good to see players having a, a dip and that's all we need. While we're not playing well, Rafinha can dribble around people. Rodrigo can just shoot and hope it goes in. So fine, we'll take those until we're playing better again. And then we can worry about whether we need to pass to Jackie Harrison more often. I feel like I'm sort of hovering around. I mean, I always try to be optimistic. Uh, I do tend to swing from pits of despair on the match ball when things don't go right to um, daft optimism sometimes. But I'm sort of, I'm I'm in the soft win territory, I think, at the minute. Somewhere between draw and soft win is where I feel on the scale. What about you, Michael? You're obviously terrified and you're expecting a draw at best and defeat probably. Yep, correct. Yep. Uh, Moscow, 4-0 win. Three, one, one, and it will be a consolation goal for Leicester when they have a better second half. But we're going to be three nil up by half time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, you hear about, you know, the parental divorces? You can divorce parents. It's not very conventional. It happens now and again, but it can happen. You know, Paul Scholes' child. Mm. Do you think there's maybe a future lawsuit coming there? <laughs> uh, or, or a potential marriage, if that's ever brought into law. Not sure that's allowed, is it? Do you know why I mention it? Ah, <laughs> oh, something to do with legal... Family law. Family law, right, yeah. You know who's the bestest at that, don't you? I do, yeah. Uh, if you had to pick a firm anywhere but Leeds fans based in Leeds, who would you go for? I'd pick uh, I'd pick Levi Solicitors is who I would go for. Ah, oh, that is a great choice. I was going to recommend them, wouldn't you? Just the people to represent Paul Scholes. And Scholesy, as he's known to you, Moscow... Uh, will be delighted to find that he can get 10% off his legal fees. Do you know how he gets that? Does he bite by it count- off? I was going to say by counting the toes, one by one for each percent. <laughs> yes. Uh, going through our landing page is the correct answer to that, which is levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. This little piggy went to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Thank you, Michael. Part three of the show is Heroes and Villains. First, we do the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award, and we go to our subscribers, our TSB Plus subscribers for nominations on this, who've sent us many. It feels a little bit misplaced this week because I'm looking down this list. I'm seeing Rafinha, Urente, Melier, Calvin, Dan James, Drame, Harrison. Um, then we get down to Sky, Anthony Taylor, VAR, Tim Krul, Neil Warnock. Farker, Pookie, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of there's a lot of leads. It's top heavy with leads at the top. There, Why did they top. even bother winning? This is the thanks they get. Bunch of villains. I mean, Rafinha. Do we want to have a word about him attacking Marcelo Bielsa? Lack I mean, of apology. Yes, I mean that was the all the nominations were were for that. It's worth saying. I don't think anyone had an issue with his performance. No. Um, given that he's single handedly carrying us at the minute. Yes. So there was that. And also, some, Cal, one of Calvin's nominations was also for misplacing the pass so badly uh, that it caused our best player to almost kill our manager. Right. Jacob with that nomination. So, attempted. So he's the, he's the, uh, what's the, so he's the attempted murder from Rafinha and then he's aiding and abetting is Calvin. Yeah. So he made him do it. And pointed out that uh, Pierre Drama came to uh, Wayne's attention for him, uh, pelting Bielsa with the Bormier moments after Rafinha had tried to concuss him. So, I don't know, people like to to search for these hints of problems within the camp. Has Bielsa lost the dressing room? And I think there's no clearer example <laughs> of that happening than... Um, when they start attacking than him. Than Calvin setting up Rafinha to, uh, to knock him to the ground. And then when that doesn't work, that's not finished him off. So Pierre Drama is uh, so grateful for being given his Premier League debut that he's firing the ball into his head. Nominations here for Dan James on a legitimate football tip like Roger and uh, Noel Whelan's discount telesales are both uh, putting forward Dan James uh, calling him out for his decision making and um, Noel Whelan's discount telesales suggests he's causing more problems than he solves right now I think that's a bit unfair he definitely should not have given the ball to Rafinha to score that goal should he well exactly it's like that was a 
good ball. It was a really intelligent ball in quite a tight situation. And he said uh, there was one, there was one cleared off the line in this game in the first half. I don't think there was anything wrong with what Dan James did. Should have put it in the net. That. Well, he was close and wasn't there a similar one against Wolves? But then before that was Southampton when that was a bit beneath here nor there. But I think the more, causing more problems than he solves, I guess, is the what we see with the... I mean, admit that it's caused by Bamford being injured as well, but the fact we seem to have shoehorned him into a team alongside two other wingers and it's not it's not great. And the other it? point is the parameters here. This is the person who's caused us the most misery over the seven of the last seven days. And Dan James is very low on that list, let me tell you. Because Jackie Harrison's higher. Um, wow. He's got four nominations on this. And also uh, Jackie's dog nappers. Um, Jeff P saying the Malaysian betting syndicate who appears to have kidnapped Jack Harrison's dog. <laughs> Where else would he try to play a Norwich player in for an undeserved equaliser? Yeah, it's strange what's happening with Harrison at the moment. He doesn't look himself, does he? Yeah. Which, which I guess is, if Bamford is back, maybe this means... Dan James just plays on the wing. Harrison has a little spell on the bench, and that's why it's nice to have a, some options. A squad, yeah. yeah. Are, we, are we seeing him? I can't remember again the, the person on Wacko who I saw post this, but we're basically seeing him return to the, the mean is the point that was put forward. That he started off a bit mediocre, then he hit the heights the second season, and you know, so he's just sort of swinging back and forth and just sort of settling on a median value of being. He had two uh, really good a, a seasons. De- a decent footballer. He's not that at the moment, though. He's quite bad. Right. Whereas he's actually been really good for two seasons. So, but, but but do we maintain a confidence in him that he just needs to basically play his way out of it, like like a lot of them? Yeah, I don't get the impression with from everything we know of Jack Harrison. You don't get the impression it's probably been caused by the fact he's going out on the piss every evening or not trying in I mean, training. He's ridiculously dedicated. He's, to exactly, he's a very diligent young man, isn't he? From everything we can gather, anyway. So I can't imagine he's and if my, sacking it off in his, any way. His girlfriend was saying to me, "You will stay home and you will work out today." on videos for YouTube or TikTok mm. or whatever it might be, Instagram, I'd do it. I think of the, the two most likely explanations for his poor form, if it's either that he's underneath, he's actually a terrible footballer and will never be good again, or the after effects of COVID, I'm going to go with the COVID one because I think that feels more like evidence that you could look at as an explanation rather than just he was never that good in the first place and those two seasons when he was good were a flash in the pan. However, the other angle on... Um, you mentioned the dog nappers and, you know, when a, you hear a rumour often enough, often enough, you start to wonder if it's uh, there's some truth in it because I was uh, Jeff P wondering if his uh, his dog had been kidnapped and uh, Mekdi said uh, whoever has kidnapped Jackie himself and brought back the New York City FC version. So there's a lot of people talking about kidnapping independently of each other with regard to Jackie Harrison. So if it's not him or it's dog, it's dog, his dog. Has some is somebody been kidnapped? Has something been kidnapped? Has another pet or is hamsters being held hostage? I don't know. By weight of nominations, Anthony Taylor should win this by rights because Andrew, Aaron, Gary, Boney M, Jack, Paul Gascoigne, Orlando, Sazzy, Pete, Keith, Connor, Philip. Everybody, else? everybody. Just loads of people. Thank you all for getting in touch with us and suggesting uh, Anthony Taylor. Yeah. Uh, although Pete did call him Andy Taylor. Well, yeah. also, and he should be... And Roger Taylor as well. All right. him From Queen. Mm-hmm. He should be Tony Taylor. Why has he missed out? He's denying himself the opportunity to be TT. Yeah. Oh, I want to be called Anthony. Just be called Tony. It's more Tony Taylor's a fun name. Imagine if you, if I was to tell you about somebody. Oh, do you know my mate Tony Taylor? You'd want to know about him. Where if oh, it was, I'd be go for a pint with him. Yeah. Anthony Taylor. Either. It's a touch of the Benjamin sounds, Whites, isn't it? Anthony that? Taylor sounds like a referee. Yeah. Whereas Tony Taylor, Tony Taylor's fine. So for, for refusing to be Tony, 
Well, you know, if you went, if you did go to the pub for a pint with Anthony Taylor, like let's say, let's say you've you've got a mutual friend, and they go, "I just fancy we're going to Stockport. We're going to go for a beer." Uh, my mate Anthony's coming along. Anthony, you've got a turn. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll come along for a pint with him. You sat down. You went, "Oh, it's Premier League referee Anthony Taylor." I didn't know that. What do you reckon he'd be like? Do you reckon he'd like sit there and talk about himself, or would he be like self-effacing? What do you think he'd be like over a pint? Because the pint test is very important. I've spoken about it before on on this podcast. You can run anybody through the pint test, the pint filter, to see whether you'd get on with them or not. What about Taylor? Referees are a bit of a strange breed, generally. I think they they range from being probably quite officious and boring to being like Jeff Winter or Mike Dean, who was just too loud all the time and would just would just talk over you. I get the feeling he'd be more on the quiet side of things. Mm. I wouldn't want to go. I've got to be honest. No. From what I've would seen you? Him. Would you just walk out then? You say, "Oh, come not I can't sit down with the referee." I would glass him and leave the pub. Right. right. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't, would you? No, I'm. I'm a nice, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be eager to meet him. I have to say. Well, you won't become Facebook friends. No, I don't think so. No, unless he requests, and then he's kind of awkward, and you can't, you can't say no. Can it's you? Hard to say no to because it's like well, you can accept them, but then you can you could put him on mute and then give it six months and then just quietly unfriend him, couldn't you? What do you reckon? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to crop up. Uh, uh, it's it's fine. I'm not worried about it. This fictional scenario is no. not one that's likely to play out. No, it just doesn't it doesn't concern me at all. Oh, okay, fair enough. We need to finish off the Leeds players anyway. We oh, know, do we? We've got we, more further down, have we? Melier got a couple, a uh, few too many mistakes in the last two outings, which is is fair enough. People saying he's not. Um, Connor was saying he doesn't seem as focused and sharp as last year, which uh, I don't know. He, he passed the ball out, didn't he? Which kind of was despite Moscow's attempts to blame Jamie Shackleton for it. Melier did just kick it straight out of play, which, mm. was, which was a shame. And and also from the corner, then Urente is getting criticised. Uh, Jay saying Urente is the player fans think Liam Cooper is always grabbing on midriffs at shirts and not actually bothering to track a large centre half of a man. I mean, it annoys me when they don't track their markers. Uh, that does annoy me. But I think the shirt grabbing and the the wrestling, it's just it's one for the ages, isn't it? They all do it. They're all at it. I mean, like if if the attacker wasn't pulling the centre half shirt and uh, playing a bit roughhouse with them, then they wouldn't do it in return, would they? Mm, maybe, but it's concerning. I mean, if you're going to pull someone's shirt, at least stop them getting to the header, which we seem to be failing to do as well. So we're giving them two options there. You can have the header, and if that doesn't go in, maybe you'll get a penalty. Uh, any other Leeds ones that I've missed there off the list? Um, just looking further down. There's a few Norwich ones, isn't there? Uh, like Pookie gets a nomination from Ding, who suggests he was indulging in uh, Jimenez levels of cheating. I mean, like Cooper was laughing when he, when he got that, that free kick uh, against Cooper, and Cooper was just like laughing with him, saying that was ridiculous. I mean, he did put his hands on him, but it did also suggest from the footage that Liam Cooper might be the strongest man in the world because he, he did literally just lay his hands on his back and, he, and then he, his legs went spinning out from under him. So, yeah, we, I mean, we, we have our own players who do this from time to time, don't we? On a Norwich tip, there was, uh, although it's actually more of a nomination for Michael, Boniem was nominated Michael Normanton. As Farker. Seems, yeah, as Farker. Well, it seems people preferred back in the, uh, on the podcast before we did the video when we just used to play the tapes of uh, Farker's interviews, now rather than Michael lip syncing to them, yeah. Now that we've um, we've been playing them with you, visualizing and trying to mouth along to them, um, people think that your uh, visual um, impression of him is uh, is distracting from us just playing the, the tape recording. I'm going to say we need to get a wig. And some people are. We need uh, to get a wig for you. Some people seem to be being lured into the idea we've so effectively synced you up with the the audio that people think it's you doing the impression. It'll all go uh, Millie Vanilli one week and I'll be, I'll be found out. Yeah. Well, I think people would prefer that, that they feel happier in, uh, in a world where they, they understand quite clearly that it's, um, it's Farker's 
voice being played off of a tape rather than you doing the voice. So I think, I don't know if maybe we have to teach you to do ventriloquist trainings. Is that how it works? Or do you need to be the dummy and we have you dressed as Farker? You said or... Daniel Farker's going to put his hand in me. I mean, if you insist. But they're quite big, his hands as well. Maybe yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at, I'm looking at a picture of him now because I want to see what his hair's like. It's essentially, it's in curtains and he tends to tuck it behind his ears mm. and, he's, and he's growing it down his down his neck. He's going bald as well. I noticed. You noticed this, didn't you, as a man yeah. experienced in that field? Yeah, you? but he's got the difficulty of having long hair and going bald, which leaves you with, you've got to make a decision on that. Because it's kind of slicked around the place, he, he sort of hides it, but sometimes you get an angle and you think, oh dear. Because it, it does take, you know, it's, it takes a lot for a middle-aged man to have long hair. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's a noticeable thing, isn't it? What happens if at some point soon, Daniel Farker's doing a post-match interview after another Norwich defeat and he's shaved his head bald and he's got a Pontefract accent. <laughs> what do we do then? Does that mean we have to swap them? We've gone into the Matrix there, haven't we? If that happens, uh, Christ. Right, back to the, the nominations then. But Philip actually specifically picks out his stupid haircut, I should say that. Uh, who else have we got? I mean, like, It's a perfectly good haircut if you are in a, a new metal band around the year 2000. It's just, it does look a little bit out of place on a, a middle-aged Premier League manager in 2021. I'm just looking at how old he is. How old is Farker now? You've been treated to some live wikipedia ring now. Uh, he is 45 years old, Daniel Farker. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's too old to have long hair, isn't it? As, um, as in, in fact, speaking of another nomination on Says here. Says the board man. Thomas Frank. <laughs> yep. He's, he's actually been nominated, not for his hair, although we, we've touched on the fact it makes him look creepy on previous occasions, but saying he basically should have done his job properly and beaten Burnley, and then we would be clear of the bottom three. Yeah. But I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying... Brentford just slowly getting pulled into this. Slowly, slowly getting pulled down the league. The more kind of mishmash there is in the middle of the table with like Wolves beat Everton, didn't they? And Watford beating Everton. Kind of teams having these kind of runs, the easier it will be for us to hit good form and qualify for Europe because we'll just streak straight through them all to the top mm. of the table. So I'm very much in favour of uh, Brentford winning a couple and losing a couple. Uh, Daniel Levy gets a nomination, a preemptive one from Spadge84, uh, suggests they could have kept Nuno in his job until we played him after the international break. But maybe, maybe the new manager bounce is something we can contend with because they won't know what to do yet. I mean, if Harry Kane looks even half-arsed, that'll be a problem. Whereas, as it is, he looks kind of, he looks like a man who was annoyed. It's almost like he, he was denied a massive... He wasn't, he wasn't allowed to leave, doesn't yeah. he? Um, uh, I think that's everybody, isn't it? Chris Just Wilder. Oh, Chris, yeah, okay. Chris Wilder on there. Um, making it about himself. Yeah, I'll match the day too. Couldn't wait to bring up his history with Leeds. And I, I, it's not on the sheet because it was mentioned in the previous section in propaganda and it wasn't uh, given a mention, but someone did suggest on the comments that he looked like a beanbag stuffed into a child's car seat, which was nice on the <laughs> match of the day. <laughs> I like that. Very good. Um, right, go on then. Who's your, uh, your villain of the week? Is it Anthony Taylor? He's got the most nominations. I mean, so it's, it's always a good indicator, but uh, anybody you think is more deserving? Oh, we didn't mention Sky, actually. Oh, right, yeah. We didn't mention Sky, which we were, um, as we said, we were on the, the Noel Whelan stream instead. So we had somebody else, but Efana Koku was apparently really annoying on there. Yeah. But, but because I didn't hear it personally, I feel less uh, inclined to give it to him because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't personally bothered Nathaniel by it. Nathaniel does say, uh, that's the first time in a long time I've had to mute the Sky commentary. He was like listening to East Anglia FM. I mean, we give it to Sky or Anthony Taylor or one of our players. I don't think we should give it to one of our players in a week where we've won and we were desperately crying out for a victory. It feels misplaced. I know things are not perfect at the minute but they're better than they were because we got three points so can we rule out all Leeds United nominations give it to Taylor yeah he ruined what would have been a bad game anyway but he made it worse okay fair enough right on to the uh, Gitano Barardi Hero of the Week award nominations then who have we got 
by volume, Rafinha, you would have to say he's got, he must have about 15 people saying him, probably because he scored. I mean, he's going to win it, isn't he? The McCormack of 2021 says DLS. Yeah, he uh, he may be dragging us up by the bootstraps, but I think maybe we need that. And not to mention the, the shithousing afterwards, which happened after we'd recorded the match ball, I think, which was him trolling uh, Tim Krul for an event that happened before he joined Leeds United. It's very good. Andrew Larkin also proposed a different uh, take on his villainy uh, that he was nominated for for uh, smashing into um, Bielsa, but he points out his technique for not destroying Bielsa when they collided showed what a class act he is. Because I don't think there was even a bruise on Marcelo whatsoever when that happened. It was like being uh, knocked over by a feather. And that was all about Rafinha um, managing the situation superbly so as not to hurt him. And let's face it, poor old Bielsa wasn't getting much help from his backroom staff considering he, he pays their wages out of his own pocket and gives them every possible opportunity under the sun. And they're supposed to be this crack squad of like the A-team crew who he, he calls up whenever there's a, a crisis and they're going to a new club. And I don't know if they're instructed if he tells them, you know, if anything happens to me, don't get involved, save yourselves, just carry on, keep keep the work going. But nobody was going to help him. No. Well, you, would you touch him now? What's, what society do we live in? Bielsa did him. <laughs> An old man takes a tumble. Is Bielsa, nobody going to help him? Bielsa did receive a nomination from uh, Nathaniel for building a gym and then using it to make sure Rafinha can't take him out completely. Mm. So I think you're suggesting that a, a weaker man could have been injured by this, but because Bielsa is now uh, getting hence. Staff gym at, uh, at Ellen Road, isn't it? We should add. Uh, he's built it for the staff who work at Leeds United as a gift to them. The cost of a, a reported 150 grand, wasn't it? And Mrs. Bielsa the architect, she designed it, which is cool. Uh, imagine trying to say no to him. <laughs> I wonder if you have to log a certain number of hours. Like it's uh, having to prove that you really like the gift that your granddad gave you, but you didn't really want it. Are you playing with it? Mm. Well, the 150 grand gym. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait to, uh, can't wait to spend all day in there. Is this uh, one of those, is this one of those Fitbits you bought me as well? Have you modified the strap so I can't take it off? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I will monitor. Um, going back to the Brazilians, Rodrigo gets a few nominations. John, Keith, Pete, and Winnie. Um, two and two, as Winnie points out for uh, for Rodrigo. So hopefully he's he's finding his form again, growing into it like the rest of the uh, team. And some nominations for the the, the real hero of that goal, uh, which was of course Tim Krul for letting mm-hmm. it in. Which was it was good of him. Yeah, he, he did he did God's work, didn't he? Uh, um, Strout gets nominations. We mentioned him uh, over on Propaganda, saying that we sort of failed to really give him the props that were due uh, on the match ball because he was good. He was really good, I thought. Jacob does sing- single him out for the volley pass, which was like mm. an outside of the boot spray over to the right wing for Rafinha, which was very nice. And he did get loads of praise off of Bielsa, which is probably more valuable to him than anything we can say. So I think he'll be okay without us having uh, highlighted his performance too well. But he was uh, he was very good. Connor's nominated Drama as well for uh, coming in and looking capable. Again, you know, when we're talking about what these awards are given out for, it's about who's really, you know, secured That's the highlight of the week, made us feel great. So these are outliers. We, we, can, make, we can have some room for some little nods here and there. Little, and, uh, you know, yeah, good work. A tip, of, a tip of the hat. Let's cover off Forshaw at yeah. this point. And then he got a few nominations for being alive. Like, what, like a new mm, signing, Connor went for. Which is a phrase I know, it's the cliche and all that, but Lorne pulls it out of the bag like a new signing. In all seriousness, he's looked fairly comfortable in the minutes that he's had so far. Nothing out of this yeah. world, but solid when we've needed it. I know um, Radritzani's tweet, as they often are, was ill-advised and probably um, better off not said, but 
a fit Adam Forshaw will be an asset. Yeah, because we need a midfielder at very least. I need Just in general, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a good player. He doesn't excite anybody, and he never has. But I don't think he would make any um, squad of our kind of level worse. Uh, Roger is going on the defensive for Liam Cooper, saying he was solid as always. Get off his back. Not on his back. It's normally Liam Cooper on someone's back, etc., etc. <laughs> no, it was good. He's be Scott Wooden fucking headbutting him every game, wasn't it? Knocking him out. Um, yeah, I think I did. I think game. I did point out that if Urente, if Cooper had done the Urente things, people would have been going absolutely mad at him because it's Urente. People are like, ah, oh, he's fine. He's he's from Spain. He knows but, what he's doing. But it is also about context, and and I think we are more fearful of Cooperisms based on historical evidence than we are of Urenteisms. There have not been too many that have cost us so far, but if he was prone to it every week, then you'd start to get a rep for it, wouldn't you? But the other context is he's playing in a, a back line that has a, a midfielder at each fullback position. Crazy Ed from Spain next to him, <laughs> playing his like 20th match in the Premier League, and Pascal Stroik, who everybody likes more than him. So he's uh, taking on some extra responsibilities at the back at, at the moment, and... Particularly, I think the Wolves game is still the one where you really absolutely big him up for how brilliantly he dealt with Traore. And then um, probably the major thing about the Norwich performance is that compared to uh, Urente and Stroik, didn't notice him. Like, he just solid. Nothing happened. He was good. And we needed some of that. But it's a little bit like the Forshaw one. Just come on. Nothing flashy. Just somebody digging it out and getting a win. Uh, plenty of love and support for Stuart Dallas as well, and I think he would be a contender for this um, had Rafinha not completely... If he'd scored. Um, that's the problem, isn't it? Dallas, <laughs> we'll give you all the sympathy in the world for uh, for having lost your close friend and suffered through a coincidental, uh, coincident bout of COVID that meant you couldn't be involved in the situation. I don't think he was even able to go to the funeral because instead he was in a locked away in a hotel room with a deadly disease. But he didn't score against Norwich, did he? Well, no, <laughs> no, I know. No, we do. We do obviously send all our sincere thoughts and best wishes to him. Um, it is kind of a bad bit. The worst bit about being a footballer is that you don't really allow time off for stuff. Like the, the Athletic ran an article a while ago about how footballers don't really get paternity leave either. It's mm. expected that you, as Dan James, had to fly to Fulham, didn't he, on the same night as a as a Leeds as a his son was born. He's having to try and play on the wing like hours after just having watched that. So he's like. And it's same with Dallas, I guess. You can't be like, if it was a normal job, you might say, oh, this has happened. I'm all right to just have a week or two off. And people would go, oh, yeah, it's fine. No bother. But as it is, he's, um, he's just kind of had to You, don't, you don't have time to grieve as a footballer, as because he put it. He's had to play every position. I know. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, like they sort of suggest, don't they, that you, you get your life after you retire when you're like, in your mid-30s. You can then go off and live your life with your nice wealth and stuff. But it doesn't stop situations like this occurring where like you said, under normal circumstances, it'd be like, yeah, just just take the time, take as much as you need because it's shit. You yeah, just... I think there's a there's an idea that because it's because of the timing or the the hours that a footballer are expected to work, that you can manage it around it. You're only training in the mornings, so you can be sad in the afternoons, and then as long as you turn up on Saturday at three o'clock, you can get through it that way. So there's kind of whereas if it was a a nine to five job, then you need the you're blocking out the whole day and you're just not going. Whereas the idea with football is you can go, you can be there for bits and then be there for not bits. So they kind of manage it. Oh, I'm not sure it really works. And I think it would be, and I wonder if, um, if it hadn't been for the, the COVID that many was quarantining at the same time as the, the real uh, crux of the events was going on. Um, his, certainly he was 
which was the reason for him withdrawing from the Northern Ireland squad. I guess he couldn't go with yeah. COVID as well, but it was all at the same time. Whether the uh, the club would have said, just go back to Belfast for a couple of weeks and we'll be fine. You'd hope that football can move in that direction. If it hadn't been for the COVID, he might have been given a, more of a, an opportunity. But certainly it was interesting that when he did say, I just feel like I have to crack on and maybe one day I'll look back and say this is the wrong thing to do. Nobody really uh, that I've seen has, has said, no, it's definitely the right thing to do. There's a general acceptance yeah, we get with it, everybody. Yeah. It's more of kind of like, no more that even people are almost saying, just go away for a while. If you want to go away, that will be fine. Which is... Um, it's maybe, Stuart uh, Dallas as well. He's like the hardest working man in football as well, isn't he? That's the thing. Isn't, there's absolutely not a shred of doubt that if he had time off, anyone would be going, oh, he's probably just probably just slacking. Yeah. He's not He's not Wasim Boy, is he? And I guess that's it. It's where people are... Um, he's taking on this responsibility, but all the people that he thinks are asking him to take this responsibility are actually saying, no, you, you would be fine if you went away for a, a couple of weeks. Um, and, so, and so much of that was represented in the fan chant at the end at Carrow Road when they're singing, there's only one Stuart Dallas. It's not just about singing his name, it's about all the things that that, that which signifies. Is the which, other, is which is the other angle to it of whether he does need to go away or not is as Bielsa said it's very much his decision um, and he you're followed by him and that's what gives me the the reason to think that if he had said I really need to get away that the club might have let him but the other benefit that you get as a footballer is that when um, that news is out in the open the support you get is practically unrivaled because if you um, decided to go to your 9 to 5 job you're not at the end of it going to have 10,000 people singing your name and saying, I suppose 3,000 in Norwich, but thousands of people singing your name and supporting and helping you through it. So you need the the balance somewhere else. Whereas, you know, what's better for a person perhaps feeling that support without the time away will do him good in the long run. You just hope he's all right. Because what, what the hell? And you hope that whatever's up with them, with the rest of the players, it's sort of similarly uh, understood for whatever it could be. Because there's no... What was interesting with Dallas as well as he used that uh, the football phraseology where he said, oh, I don't want to use this as an excuse. Use it as an excuse because it's not an excuse. It's, it's an a explanation. It's a good reason. Yeah, and it's yeah. the same thing with, um, you don't know what's up with Jackie Harrison, but if he, you know, if he does say, yeah, COVID has completely knocked the wind out. I mean, I'm really struggling to play properly, but I'm doing my best every match. Fine. But he would do the same thing. He said, I don't want to use COVID as an excuse. It's an explanation. And there's always, there's often factors that are maybe not of the severity of what Stuart Dallas has been gone through but we don't always allow them to to be involved in discussion because it's that culture of just no nothing absolutely nothing can excuse you giving a less than 10 out of 10 performance against Norwich on the weekend when lots of things can factor into um you know if I, look if it, Jackie's it, dog has been kidnapped I'm not surprised that he's not playing very well because that would worry anybody because it's, a, need it's to a lovely be a, dog and he's a big dog and you wonder how they got it. doesn't even need to be a 10 out of 10 performance against Norwich Moscow, I was going to say. Yeah. A, seven, a seven is all you need against them. That's all you need. We didn't even get that, did we? Well, we got it from Rafinha. And I won't well, accept any excuse. We got it from Rafinha. He did that. He did the he did the, the tweet trolling, uh, so the Instagram trolling and then um, he looked even looked cool in his Halloween outfit for the party that they all had to see. It was like he him. really looks good with eyeliner. He does, doesn't he? I would like him to take that... Um, Going to sort of a new romantic kind of vibe. Yeah, I think. Can you imagine Graham Souness's reaction to a, a player taking to the field with eyeliner? On? It's twenty twenty one. I don't care what Graham Souness <laughs> thinks. I would love. He looked cool, and if players can 
go on the pitch with uh, hairstyles that make them look cool and you know, dye their hair a certain colour or wear um, flash football boots that is all contributing to how they look, which is the reason you, you know, you do those things. You want to look a certain way on the football pitch and that even goes down to a sensible short back and sides is a, is a conscious fashion decision of how I want to present myself on the football pitch. Wilf, uh, Wilf Copping in the 1930s when he played for Leeds didn't use to shave on the morning of a game so that he could intimidate centre forwards. It's rough, unshaven character. So is that, it's what, all, is that what you're going for? It's all part of it. So if I'm Rafinha, shame myself, mate. If Rafinha wants to take to the pitch with his frosted tips, he dyed his hair a little bit, and eyeliner, it's absolutely fine. And he looked amazing. I think the uh, the slashed throat <laughs> maybe needs to stay on Halloween yep. only. But uh, the rest, of it was a uh, a makeup artist from Brazil who is based in Leeds. Huh? Did that for them. What are the chances? I'm quite intrigued as to how they found each other, whether it's just there's a, a network of um, Brazilian people living in Leeds. All I, that feels, like an, touch, that feels like an extra ball to me. The, come, come and do it on makeup. The, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so you'll look forward to seeing us all sat here with eyeliner on next week. I mean, what if an technology would just crack on like it's not even happening? No, I thought you meant like a makeup tutorial. We'll get a makeup artist in and they can give us a makeover and They're we'll film popular. it. Yeah, they, they do great on YouTube. So well, why not? It could be... There were there were rumours of Steve Evans wearing eyeliner, and he, I don't think it's just the natural look of his eyes. Probably gravy filtering through the tear ducts or something. But he had <laughs> he did have, he did have a very defined, um, mm. and I think people described him as quite beautiful. His mm. eyes, <laughs> if you could see them in isolation, are you one of those people? If you could see if you could see them without the rest of Steve Evans, you could really be drawn in. But then. As you moved out, you'd be like, oh, God, okay. yeah. oh, there's more of it. Get somebody who looks at you the way Steve Evans looks at a chip butty. That's what it is. But, it's uh, uh, it's Rafinha, though, anyway, isn't it? He's our hero of the week. Let's give him the award. He's had a good week. He's done well. And he's great. I love him. Love him. Just want to keep him now. Right, well, that wraps it up then um, for this week's show. Show 250, more uh, weekly action next week, more propaganda after Leicester, and uh, the match ball, of course, after the Leicester victory. Yes. Mm. Yeah, good. All right, we'll speak to you then. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.